The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And please ask. I'm happy to engage. Yeah. Well. So the idea that <clears throat> I am the experience, uh, it's also true that the experience is not self. And so I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am the experience versus the experience is not self. Um, uh, I don't, um, there, there, there's no, I'm not, I'm not actually saying anything other than, than, uh, the experience is not self. Um, what I was alluding to there, um, was, you know, I think I said you are experience, um, not meaning, not implying like you, the big you, the true self, capital T, Atman, you are awareness, something like that. More like you, everything you think is you, is experience. And we're, we're learning actually to, um, to fold in more and more, uh, more and more of what, of what feels like the perspective from which we view into the flow of awareness. And so, maybe we have the sense of like, of, of hearing teachings on anatta, hearing teachings on not-self, and it's like um, we can get into like the video game kind of mode of anatta practice, where it's like, oh yeah, that's not-self, and that's not-self, and that's not-self. And, and sometimes what we don't see is that we're like, what we think of as like, the vantage point of that practice, the ground from which we view, it feels, that ground, that territory feels so intimate that it feels like self. It's just, it's like this home base within awareness that feels like me. And it's very closely tied up with discursive thinking, with hearing, what we would call hearing. So part of what we're doing in folding in these, these aspects of, of seeing, of hearing, of feeling into the awareness is that it's like we're, we're that, that very, the ground that feels like me gets is known as anicca, is known as impermanent. And so it's like we keep stepping off the ground of self and surrendering it to awareness. We don't actually look to fixate a place within ourselves as the kind of vantage point from which we see impermanence. Like we keep surrendering to a Nietzsche, keep surrendering to a Nietzsche. And so, um, 
some of the Buddha said, everything we cons- you consider you is made up of something else. And what it's made up of is always changing. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm not, I'm not uh, making some big claim for what you are. Yes, so Okay, so I wanted to ask about uh, the last um, guided meditation that we were doing before lunch. Um, to me, I find a very strong duality in this exercise because um, you just mentioned I had a conversation about letting go and you kind of (coughs) compared this meditation as letting go of things Um, when I was doing it um, there is an aspect that's actually the opposite, it feels diving in as opposed to letting go I feel that um, by using those six experiences or five since we had um, the eyes closed, I felt that I was actually um, living and knowing the experience at a deeper level as opposed to letting go. Mm-hmm. I was getting closer to it. Yeah. It felt richer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure where the letting go is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it like, okay, I've experienced that it's fullest, so now I can let it go? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but it's just yeah. that the letting go was totally not in my consciousness yeah. in this whole exercise. To me, it was actually really diving in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you and I may be using letting go very differently. Um, uh, I appreciate what you're saying, and I do think it's... Uh, there is, um, there's no, no conflict between diving in and letting go. You know, let, letting go is, is, um, is, is not about, um, letting go makes everything more rich. Letting go makes everything more rich, not the opposite. And so, uh, to even dive in and to get close, to rub up against experience more closely, that, that is a gesture of letting go, actually. That is because we are, we're allowing, first off, we're allowing everything that is in the background that we're not focusing on to be in the background. That itself is a form of letting go. So every time we like attend to the breath for even one in-breath and the compulsive thoughts are just like take their place in the background that is a kind of letting go but then even like getting closer to the breath getting closer to the breath is I would say is also a kind of letting go that the awareness, um, we, it's like we, we let go of the moment more 
and more gracefully so that the next moment can arise. And it actually makes the experience richer. I think I I get the the image. So it's... um, it really goes with what you are talking with the flow. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you're really, with my expression of diving in, I'm kind of diving into the flow. And since yeah. I'm in the flow, I'm letting every microsecond that was passed, yeah. you know, uh, I go forward. Yeah. I, I yeah. have to. Kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like. So being f- in the flow is letting go. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then we, then we detect more and more subtle layers of clinging that are actually happening within the view. And so, um, uh, sometimes it, it, it feels like we're, we're just surrendered to the moment and to which, and to surrender to the moment means to surrender to change. But, um, what we we discover is that uh, there can be more and more kind of like subtle layers of of clinging, of selfing, of holding on to phenomena, of ways in which we're like suddenly subtly trying to engineer something or uh, you know make something go away or something you know so. Uh, we just, we just, uh, the more quiet we get, the more prominent the clinging becomes, the more like visible it becomes. Yeah. You know, this really totally explained to me what um, I had a hunch about it. Like it feels like in what you just said, like Buddhism meets um, being really fully the essence of being an artist. Mm. Like I really feel like... Um, whether you're dancing or playing the piano or doing something at that level, like the same way we're doing the meditation, then it is, you know, this form of letting go Mm. and to be carried by the experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you you let go of driving, you're carried by it. Of driving? No, 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 you're you're not driving. Got it, got it, got it. No, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, we're staying with you, Sylvie. No, I, I get it. I get it. You, you let go the sense. Yeah, the way, the way one teacher put it is that the, the meditator just becomes the habit of meditation. You know, so it's not in the driver's seat in the same way. talk about, uh, the question was asked before, that, uh, you know, we are the experience. But I feel in, no matter how deep I go, there is always that sense of the presence of the observer self. Mm-hmm. So there's always that experience within the meditation. And it's, you know, when you say today uh, that, you know, we let go of that vision of meta view or viewing yourself from the God's perspective or something. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if you could talk more a little bit of that. What is that observer? Yeah. Even though you know you feel like in the flow, you feel like you're letting go, and like through exercises that you know six senses that we did, I felt completely with a with the essence of hearing and seeing and feeling. However, there was that place, you know, kind of a very familiar you place. Is it the, the, the um, sort of the sense of self place or it's something deeper within us? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it's, the, it's kind of like the sense of self place, the ground of self. Um, and... Um, Yeah, and and what that um, what that does is it it um, is it gives it gives the awareness a certain flavor, and it's the flavor of uh, of me. It tastes the awareness tastes like me. That's a weird phrase, but. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, we can keep keep letting go, and it's not let that the awareness collapses or something like that. But um, we, the awareness becomes tasteless. The awareness becomes tasteless, and there's a um, often what what co-arises with that is is a. Um, yeah, very, very different sense of, of relation between self and world, self and phenomena, that, that kind of just collapses too. And, um, uh, but it's like, yeah, you really don't want to get into like a wrestling match with self, you know, as, as Shenzhen once said, like, like we love the self to death. That's, that's what we're doing. And so when that sense arises, if you are doing this kind of practice, you might be like, okay, what, what actually is that? That sense of like the observational self. We can look and see. A lot of times it's like an image of our own head, you know? And like maybe a little layers of discursive thinking you know, that are actually flying underneath the radar of awareness. And um, we get more and more quiet, more and more still. And we see, right, we see and we hear. Yeah. And uh, that uh, the, that injects a certain kind of instability within that sense of the observing self, and everything becomes uh, more more vague, but much more vibrant. So, is it that the strive to move away? Um, I don't want to say move away, but um, you know when we have these experiences, when you lose the sense of self and lose the sense of your body, you become very big and wide. Is the goal to move away from that me place, kind of? Yeah. 
Well, there are a lot of facets of like the teaching on not self and a lot of um, a lot of nuance to it and a lot of manifestations of not self. Um, but uh, the truth is like ultimately we don't care about self or not self. We care about suffering. And that's where we want to look to see, like, that's what we get curious about. And less about, is there a self? Is there no self? Is this the right thing? Is this the true self? Is this, what am I doing? You know, like, it's much more like, when there is suffering, we want to, uh, we want to know that deeply. And that means that in our lives, in our interpersonal lives, there are a lot of opportunities to pay attention to what happens when we cling to self-view. That's at a kind of grand scale. And then also what happens in our practice when we start to get quiet and we can still feel a certain kind of alienation from the moment, a certain kind of friction, a certain sense of being separated from life. And we can look at that too as just another kind of suffering. And so I, 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 um, uh, I think these teachings are quite important, but I, I always am cautious about like fetishizing any one teaching, any one aspect of the practice, or turning anything into like, we march to that drummer all the time, you know? Like that can distort practice. Um, completely new to this way of practicing, looking through the six type of experiences, and it uh, very much renewed my curiosity, so I want to thank you for that. And at the beginning, uh, it was like, wow, I'm treating all my experiences without discrimination, like yeah. I've been doing before, you know, because when we focus on the breath, we allow sounds to fade in the background, whereas here's... So that's how it felt like. And then, as I practiced more, it seemed that there is, there is still a choice in what I attend to, or, or more particularly, how long I attend to it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I have this tingling sensation around my head, so feeling and kind of stay there and then some judgment arise like this is useless or you're useless so I'll do the concurrently to the feeling yeah so I'll do the hearing and yeah. then let go because that seems and I choose to to let go of it and go back to the feeling yeah um, and so 
I don't know, I guess, is this choosing how long you attend to uh, an experience you have identified? Um, a trap or is this some form of, c of clinging or is this yeah yeah and and that kind of connects with what you mentioned right before like impermanence and cultivating uh yeah i i want to hear i yeah 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 what you have to say. yeah well i um um the the general instruction is to um, to be making a note every few seconds and soaking into that object, but it doesn't say you need to be rotating around these three different experiences of seeing, hearing, and and feeling. You might stay with one particular experience the whole time. So. Um, there is a period in in my practice where emotion, you know, emotional activation of a kind of fearful, anxious flavor was like dominant, and it had no object, it had no associative thought. It wasn't like I'm afraid of this or that. It was just like a physiological state, and my practice was often. I would note for the whole hour, basically, feel, feel. And sometimes I would actually distinguish between the flavors of the feeling. As I talked about in one of the interviews, like we can, if you want to just like restrict the attention to, to, the fe to feeling itself, you could decide to do that, you know, not because we're clinging to it, but you could decide, like, this needs my attention. And then you could either just note feel, feel, again and again, or it could be uh, that you actually note, like, emotional flavors within that, you know, and give, you know, one word for the flavor of emotion that's arising. That would be a different way of practicing. What we were doing, it would be one of those three words, you know, to see, hear, feel. And, but then if you were just staying with feel, like just staying, staying, that would be totally reasonable. And uh, you'd be doing that uh, maybe because that's just what's most prominent or maybe it felt like Sometimes for me in the emotional, the emotional body, it just, it just seems like so important that I'm like there for myself. Like that, that's kind of how it feels. Like I need to be there. When there's like some intense emotional arising, there's this sense of like almost a kind of immediate relief in just being there for the feeling. And even though it's not, it doesn't transform it from unpleasant into pleasant, there's just like something in the heart just relaxes. Now, that's different than feeling like compulsively drawn to it or kind of like uh, stuck to it, you know, entangled in it. But if we continue to make these notes in this like gentle, matter-of-fact way, just feel, 
feel, feel. It, it cuts through some of that sense of entanglement and uh, so you'll know whether you're getting caught on something or where you need to let go. Does that, that speak to, yeah, yeah? Yes, very much. Okay. Thank you. Okay, good, good. Maybe time for one more, if there's anyone. Did you just get forced into a question? Well, it's funny because I was debating on whether or not to ask it, so I guess I'm supposed to ask it. Uh, um, this is such a probably a novice newbie question, but in all the time blushing so badly, are there, is there gender in this experience ever mm. in any of the teachings? Is, is there gender in this experience? Yeah, like uh, do teachers ever talk yeah. about there being differences between... Yeah, it's, I love it. Thank, I'm, I, I'm appreciative of your question. Um, what? Uh, say a little, a little more. Like what? Um, their gender is a really important issue in a lot of ways. But say a little more. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll speak from my experience, and I noted it. A question coming up around it. I don't feel my gender coming into the experience. For example, what we just did in doing it, doing the yeah. six or five senses. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, didn't feel my being female or anything coming up, and I don't tend to. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting to note. Yeah. And I wondered if that is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well... Um, Oh, it's it's great. Um, it's it's really worthy of a whole a whole talk. Um, uh, so I would say, first off, we just we have to be cautious. Um, we have to. I have to be cautious for a few reasons. One, uh, like. Uh, white heterosexual male that just like for and uh in a patriarchal tradition you know where the ascendancy of men has not been consistently questioned you know and um that's the backdrop for anything i'm going to say yeah It's been said that uh, we, we need to be cautious in how we use the teachings because um, all of the teachings, I would say, have their uses and misuses. You know? And we can use teachings, for example, on anatta, on not-self, on universality to like 
iron out the differences that people experience and iron out like the realities of of misogyny and heterosexism we can uh, we can use various teachings maybe not intentionally but they can have the effect actually of dismissing the very idiosyncratic suffering that many people experience and some don't you know because of our social position and so with the gender piece um for me uh, I think um, there's a process by which we actually own our experience of our gender and the experience that we the way we've been met by the world and the way that culture has impinged on our mind and the way the, the different ways of, of harm that we may have experienced through uh, other people's perception of, of who they think we are. Uh, and so there's a, there's a process, I think, of grief that I imagine is... is, is uh, uh, maybe especially strong for people who have suffered at the hands of misogyny and patriarchal assumption. But uh, even I can say for myself, there's a sort of uh, kind of um, grief in needing to fit in to anything, including male or, or uh, privileged. And for me, one of the impacts of, of practice has been that it, it's like feminism feels like an aspect of mental health because we are, we are all uh, um, untangling the identification with, with, of self as gender. And uh, in that process, we, um, I think we become much more fluid in, in how we relate to our own bodies and habits and longings and desires and preferences. And in that like flexibility, there's like so much more understanding and tolerance that's built, you know, because we're no longer actually like rigidly affirming ourselves as this or that. And we can do all of that in the context of loving ourselves as whatever we find ourselves to be of opening our heart fully to that and of honoring the kind of uh, legacy, the historical legacy of, of uh, harm, identification, and misconstrual and the rest.
so uh, let's have a period of a uh, period of walking, and uh, we'll come back at ten to ten to four and finish.